hungry. Uh, I have been waiting all afternoon for this. Wonderful. It took a little longer to get than I thought. Um, but um, what do we have here? So it looks we have two sandwiches. Mm-hmm. One looks like a po' boy, mm-hmm. and the other looks like a bean dip sandwich. <laughs> it looks like a bean dip sandwich <laughs> and a po' boy and some fries. Oh my gosh. Okay, so, and what did you specify? This time I had you choose a protein. What yes, did you choose? You said, you said pick a protein, and I said either shellfish or beef. So you are... And you are... brought me shellfish shellfish and bean dip you are half right okay. so the one on the right which you correctly identified as a fried shrimp po'boy nice and the one on the, the left is also a po'boy okay it's called the peacemaker <laughs> and it it has roast beef and fried oysters oh wow but it looks like bean dip because there's also like, a lot of gravy on or, it or like a like from a mexican restaurant you get the 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 like a torta? Yeah, or like the sides are like rice and beans. Those, it looks like the beans from yes. the side. It does look like refried beans. It is, I think, gravy. Yeah, and yeah. I think that um, probably looked better before I drove it all the way home. I don't care. We'll, we'll warm it up and we'll we'll take I, I can't wait for, for oysters and roast beef. Yeah, you said you were between shellfish and beef and I found you a sandwich that has you gave both. Me, you found the most like unkosher, like put some bacon bits on it. And <laughs> we have we are insulting multiple different deities with this. Yeah, this is an unholy sandwich, especially because you incorrectly identified it as a vegetarian sandwich. No, yeah, I, I didn't know, because I, I can't see that Here's much. the oyster. I think there's okay. other ones, yeah, but that's yeah, the yeah. most visible what? one. Okay, so what is the uh, cuisine that we are having? So this is obviously New Orleans. Yes. Okay, so this is a new restaurant. Yep, this is the new Eric Williams joint in Hyde Park. Oh, okay. So you went all the way down to Hyde Park for it. I did, which actually is a shorter drive than when I went to Humboldt <laughs> Park. Time, yeah, because <laughs> I could just go straight down Lakeshore. Okay, and, and also I would be remiss to say if we didn't have, we, we do also have a pile of fries as well. Yeah, you know, because I honestly just wanted to see what fries by Eric Williams looked like. Yeah. And uh, let's eat it, and then I want to know who Eric Williams is. I will get into it. Absolutely. <laughs> One of Chicago's most acclaimed chefs right now. Oh, but sweet. let's eat it first, and then we'll talk about it. All right, so what did you think of the Po' Boys? I, uh, big fan. Big fan. I, I don't know. You didn't know before, but I do have a big affinity for a Po' Boy, just because it's a, it's a good sandwich, and it's, it's a... These were maybe the sloppiest po'boys I've ever had. Yeah, they were stuffed. I did want to ask you two questions yes. before we go further into this. Yes. How do you, that was, you kind of answered my first one. How do these compare to other po'boys you've had? How do they compare to New Orleans ones? So, I, I, I think that, like, the thing about New Orleans ones is they're fresh. Like, these, this was really good. Uh, I was not expecting, like, a, the best po'boy I've ever had was, like, in it like whatever the New Orleans equivalent of a bodega is mm. uh, where it was just like served to you fried up put on there and like given to you out of their like convenience store and it was like four dollars for like a foot long yeah um, but this was still very good and I never had a surf and turf po' boy before yeah and I would say 
per the freshness, we did drive these back from Hyde Park. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I think that they are. I think that they are very good, and I think that it makes me like you said. We should uh, go. We should go have one right then and there. Yep, we should eat them there. They are. They do take out, but they aren't necessarily a takeout operation yet, which I didn't quite realize. So yeah. I think these would be better eaten on location. That being said, I thought they were really. Really good. No, they were good. They were really good. No, I think that the uh, the cool thing about that I, is that a is that a normal thing to have the beef on the po'boy because I've only seen it with seafood. I've never seen a beef po'boy. Yes, so I think the classic is a seafood, um, but beef po'boys are also a thing. And you can put just about anything on it. So what I learned from reading about it is that typically a, a classic po'boy is a dressed po'boy, which is often some kind of fried seafood, like fried shrimp or fried oysters, and then shredded lettuce, tomatoes, pickles, and mayo. So basically that's the classic fried shrimp version that we had, had all of those things. I really liked the... Mainly, it was almost like a remoulade. Yeah. I really liked it. Yeah, and that's and that's the classic one that I've like had before. Yeah, and I think that's what people think of. Do you know why they call it a po' boy? I was gonna get into that. <laughs> um. So, do you want me to answer about the meat, or do you want to get into the history? Your your podcast, do whatever. you want. <laughs> um. So then, to answer your question about meat, you can get a beef one. You can get other types of meat ones. Typically with those, they will have Creole mustard um, instead of or possibly in addition to the mayonnaise. So in terms of the origin story of the name, do you want to tell me? Uh, From what I... Okay, and this is probably wrong, so you can tell me I'm wrong. From what I uh, remember hearing the legend of what a po' boy is, it's because it's... Cajun and Po is poor, and it was a sandwich that didn't cost a lot, and so it was like you whatever you could get, and you would just throw it on the sandwich. I think that's a general story, but it actually has a specific origin. Okay, tell me more. Yeah, so it's um, the legend. It, this is also kind of legendary because uh, what I learned is that this is the story that's sort of highlighted on Wikipedia and then also on the New Orleans tourism website is that these two streetcar conductors named Benny and Clovis Martin. Yep. That's a name we don't use enough. um, Established a sandwich shop in the 1920s. And when their former coworkers in streetcar conducting went on strike in 1929, they started giving them free sandwiches. And they said that the name Po'boy originated for them referring to these striking streetcar workers as, here comes another poor boy. Mm. And in Cajun, it sounded like Po'boy. And so that's basically the story you said, but it was specifically dated to a streetcar conductor strike. Um, But some... Historians of the po'boy did some. Wait, fr- the, the, they they went to, they got like doctorates in history of sandwiches. Possibly, <laughs> sandwich historians have researched and they just they did some original document research and they found that the first time this story appeared in print was 
40 years later. Mm. And meanwhile, the name had been around for a while. And so there's some skeptical historians think that Benny and Clovis Martin made up this story later on because it sounded good, but that they weren't (laughs) necessarily supporting striking workers so much as they were just selling sandwiches to poor people. It's train conductor socialist propaganda. Exactly. It's like maybe they just were, there was, they found something where it just referred to any laborer. (laughs) So, and they weren't always free. So they kind of dressed up the story to make themselves look better. But that is basically the origin of the term. Okay. That's, that's interesting. I mean, I think that that's like anything in New Orleans is, Everything is a half truth. Yeah, and yeah, that that like totally you, makes sense. Like it's always done, a legend. If you've done any like ghost tours or any kind of Louisiana tours, it's just like they say, mm-hmm. and that's like every every place where you go. Yeah, story goes. So then, but then you need your sandwich historian to go do archival mm-hmm. research on sandwich interviews. I and- think historians ruin uh, the stories. Like, let just let it be. We don't have to be factual. All yeah. the time. Yeah, we can just say it's a legend. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter what exactly but there's always these the buzz sort of kills, yeah. these like <laughs> sandwich Neil deGrasse Tysons that yeah. have to come in <laughs> and be like, Well, actually the Po Boy was not gravitational pull or whatever, you know? Yeah. People love to just ruin fun yeah, buzz with facts. Kills. Yeah. Buzz kills. It doesn't matter. It's not it's not an election. We don't have to take the Po Boy that seriously. Yeah, it's just a sandwich with pretty much anything you want on it, apparently. Fried fried seafood and apparently beef. Yeah, anything. No, so that was the thing that I was surprised about, is there isn't, like, one specific set of ingredients. It was kind of like the Danish sandwiches we had. Yes. That might... That might be future. You might hear about it later. (laughs) You might hear about it before this. Um... But we... Spoiler alert or not, there's some Danish sandwiches that are similar where it's, like, the... The bread matters and the concept matters, but like the actual ingredients, I less think, so. I think this is the second sandwich that you've brought here for us to eat, where I've been like, and and the the it it tasted kind of like a pot roast on a sandwich. Yeah. Which makes me want to figure out like, has there ever been like, because you know the the deli down the street from us does like a Thanksgiving sandwich where yep. they put all like the the flavors of Thanksgiving on a sandwich. I want a pot roast sandwich. I bet that's a thing. I bet if not, you could put pot roast on a sandwich. And you could probably put some good ingredients next to it. Yeah, put like a, make like a, um, what's the horseradish sauce on it? Horsey sauce from Arby's. Yes. Or just horseradish sauce. (laughs) Um, No, so there's, uh, so the po' boy is, that's the origin of the story of the po' boy is this, sandwich shop the martin brothers but fried oyster sandwiches are much older than the 1920s like people were frying oysters and putting them on bread in new orleans way before the word po' boy they were calling them the very appetizing oyster loaves oyster loaves and And so if you go to new orleans i bet you could still find something called oyster loaves i've been doing research for another project that just like where I look through old cookbooks, and oyster loaf definitely sounds like yeah <laughs> sounds like a uh, 
a thing that would be in like a 1918 uh, cookbook. Yeah, that's about the time when you would have found oyster lobes all over New Orleans. But it also sounds like if I didn't know the context and you said you were making an oyster loaf, I would imagine a meatloaf made of oysters, and I would be like, that is the absolute worst that you could possibly do See, with such a good product. I was thinking like an olive loaf, where it's like... Like a lunch meat? Not, no, no, I was thinking like, or like olive bread, sorry, not an olive loaf. I was thinking like olive bread. Oh, where it's bread like, with just oysters with bread, in it? Bread that's like, you bake bread oh, with oysters. Oh, gross. <laughs> oh, just like bread with slime. It's, I'm sure you could clean them before... You well, put them in Sure, yeast. I mean, honestly, olive loaf is kind of like bread with slime anyways. Yeah. Or raisin bread. Um, <laughs> raisin you know, bread is like, what if this bread had sweet slime in it? My dad used to eat raisin, bre- raisin bread. And the, the thing that my parents used to do, and tell me if this is a weird or not weird thing. Uh, do, did you grow up with freezer bread? Like, my parents only kept bread in the freezer. I only keep bread in the freezer. I don't know if you've noticed that. Well, I put all it, my bread in the freezer. Yeah, but, like, you eat yours quick. My parents didn't eat bread that quickly, so, like, we would just have, like, half loaves of bread all, like, in our freezer. Every time I move, I throw out, like, ten different bags with one piece of bread in them. Yeah. So, I... So, you're, like... I really... So yeah, you get it. Yeah, I because I I, I can't that, eat my bread long enough to keep it moldy, think, not moldy. I think I was in college before I realized that people keep their bread out. Yeah, if you eat it quick. Yeah. You have to go through like a loaf of bread in like a no, week. You can, I just buy a half loaf. Sure. <laughs> I mean, or I could just eat way more bread on a day than I do. Um, speaking of bread. Yes. So, the other thing, the thing that does make a po' boy a po' boy, is. Not necessarily, as we've learned, the fried shrimp that is the classic, but it is the bread. And I was excited to try and see what this bread was like. So the bread on a po'boy is a local New Orleans French bread, and they the recipe uses less flour and more water, which makes the bread lighter, lighter yeah. and fluffier and less chewy than, like, a classic baguette. Yeah. And I feel like... I am not certain if they sourced their bread from Louisiana, but this feels like it matches that description. It's definitely lighter, and it definitely, like, soaks in the juices <laughs> of the of the meat, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely, like, not a baguette. Like, at no point was I afraid that, like, I would cut my gums on it. No, yeah, it was not, like, and that's, like, a, that's a big deterrent for me with sandwiches. I like it. I would much rather have, like, a soggy... A jus sauce mm-hmm. versus like a hard yeah like a really hard roll yeah yeah it's just I don't know it's, it's sometimes you have like a very thick sandwich and you're like already hinging unhinging your jaw so much to like yeah. wrap your mouth around it and then and if it's like in. also hard to bite I don't it's like, like I don't like having like biting in and seeing blood in yeah my, exactly like, from me. yeah this was not our experience with this sandwich the sandwich had a lovely bread. So I was excited that I learned about that, and I feel like this is living up to that hype. Um, the other thing, the other thing I learned about Po Boys is I thought Peacemaker was just something that this restaurant invented for when your boyfriend is like, "I want beef and shellfish." <laughs> okay. <coughs> like I thought yeah. that was that was something that they made up for this very circumstance. Okay, they thought you thought that they were target demoing. They us. were target demoing when you're like, "What do you want?" And someone's like, "Beef and shellfish." 
No, that's not true. The Peacemaker is another, like the oyster loaf, sandwich that predates the po'boy. But the traditional Peacemaker has shrimp and oysters. Okay. The enemies of the sea. So this is their take on the peacemaker. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. it's I because I think it's like I think the idea is it's like if you can't decide and you're sharing a sandwich. Yeah, I I like the surf and turf idea. I like it, but I have to say like if if you were like I want a beef sandwich and I was like I want an oyster sandwich yeah. and this is what we compromised on, I feel like you would have won. Because this was, like, heavier on the beef. Yeah, this was definitely, like... I also feel like if I went in there, I would not order the... I would go in there either wanting beef or fish. I wouldn't want to put them together, necessarily. Like, I like like that it exists, but it's kind of like combination fried rice, where (laughs) it's like, sometimes there's just too much protein... And I just want, like, I lose it, the, fr- the rice. So I'd never get combination fried rice. I just get shrimp or chicken or beef or pork. I never get, like, all of it together. Yeah. No, I get that. I, I thought it was interesting to try. I think I would probably prefer just oysters or just beef, to be yeah. perfectly honest. I mean, I, I don't know, like, I, I think I generally just get traditional shrimp. Yeah, shrimp is my go-to. The one that I really want to get next time is they have a fried green tomato one. Ooh. And I didn't get that because when I saw the beef and shellfish one, <laughs> I was like, that's too perfect. No, the fried green tomato would probably be really good. I mean, I think it would be amazing because the remoulade on the fried shrimp one was one of my favorite components of all yeah. of these. And I feel like that would stand out even more with the, with the fried green tomato. So, um... I think that would be super exciting. I have one more po'boy fun fact. Yes, po'boy fun fact. One more po'boy fun fact before we move on. Um, so I was when I was reading about po'boys, I found out that um, there's a large Vietnamese community in the Gulf these days. Okay. And Vietnam has its own famous French bread sandwich. The banh mi. Mm-hmm. And so... In some parts of the New Orleans-Houston area, you can find fusion po'boy bonnies. I believe that, absolutely, because when when we were, when I was living over in the Vietnamese area of Chicago, they seemed like they had, some of the Vietnamese restaurants had like 20 different bonnies, and you had everything from the traditional to like a barbecue chicken breast and it seemed like they were willing to put anything on and call it a banh mi yeah because it's the same principle i guess except that that tends to be crustier bread in my yes banh mi's are crustier they're they're the mouth bleed bread yeah but i bet that would be a good set of ingredients to combine i mean i think that like the the thing is that's that's what's wonderful about a sandwich (laughs) you can put anything on it if you literally can put anything on it and call it a sandwich. That's true. But it's only a po'boy if it's on Louisiana bread and sold by the Martin Brothers it's to o- street car conductors. <laughs> it's only a po'boy if you're stri- eating it while on strike. Right. Um, speaking of which, not not speaking of on strike, but speaking of the po'boy, yes. I realized that I did not say the name of the restaurant yes, we got these from. Yes, we're, we're, explain the significance of where these po'boys Yeah, are so we got the po'boys. I mentioned Hyde Park. We went to, uh, I went to a restaurant called Daisy's Po'boys, 
which is a new restaurant that was just opened a couple weeks ago by Chef Eric Williams. Mm-hmm. And Eric Williams, you've been to his other restaurant. We went to Virtue. Which is also in Hyde Park. Yes. And Eric Williams is a huge deal in Chicago. He opened Virtue in 2018 and just won a slew of awards. He won Esquire's Best New Restaurant in 2019, Chicagoan of the Year from the Chicago Magazine in 2020. That's more than just, like, restaurateurs. That's just person. That's, like, person. <laughs> like, he's not... That's he's a like great chef Ob- and just one of the best people in Chicago. Obama won that. Yeah, like, it's, like, Obama, Oprah, Eric Williams... Not Rahm Emanuel, no. not Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. Not the mayor, probably, but all the other. But all the all the people people like. People like. So he's a well liked, well respected chef. And then in 2022, he won some some big ones. He won the Jean Boncher Chef of the Year, and then the big one is he won Best Chef Great Lakes in the J by the James Beard Foundation. Right. So which he is got a huge deal. Yeah, getting a James Beard Award is a really big honor. Not to mention his sous chef was on Top Chef. Yeah. And was, on, like, fourth place on Top Chef? I think he was fourth this yeah, year. Third or yeah, third fourth? Yeah, I think, he, I think he finished fourth. Demar Brown. Was a, he's not affiliated with Daisy, but he's a sous chef at Virtue. And it's all the, like, it, it was funny, though, because I was trying to remember uh, where I knew the name, and then when you said fried green tomatoes, I was like, oh, yeah, because we had... We had the, the amazing... Like, the, probably the best fried green tomatoes I've ever had was at Virtue. Yeah. Uh, when we went and ate there. Yeah, the fried green tomatoes there are the first time I've ever had fried green tomatoes and liked them. And I'm absolutely um, a convert to fried green tomatoes now. It, which is proves my theory that it's like anything can be good if done right. Because the problem with fried green tomatoes a lot of times is they're soggy and the, the fry... The, the, batter falls off, mm-hmm. uh, which is like bad fried chicken, too. Right. But the, the these fried green tomatoes, the batter was on very point. intact, it on was, point. It was melting in your mouth. It was so good. It and was, again, the remoulade on top, so, so yeah. amazing. And that had shrimp in it, too. Yeah. That was, that was a very wonderful meal that uh, I, I would go back to that again, too. Yeah, so I, I want to talk more about what we ate at Virtue, but I just want to mention that Daisy's, this new place, is named after Chef's late aunt Daisy. Oh. So that's the origin story of the name. And if I remember, like, the the menu at Virtue was very much, like, these are the kinds of things that, like, I grew up uh, from my relatives in the South. Right? Yeah, so I think... This says Daisy was married to his Uncle Stu, a man with Louisiana roots and a passion for good food. And then I think virtue is very much honoring Southern cooking traditions. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So when we ate there last, we had the fried green tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And then we tried... This is the one thing, and I'll get to this later. This is <laughs> the one thing I hadn't had before when we went was the chicken gizzards. You had... You had had, I had not, not had them at Virtue. No, but you had had them, and when I had tried to make them... And, and you I did, did not like them. You that was, did not like them. <laughs> I mean, to the extent that I was a convert on fried green tomatoes, I was a much bigger <laughs> convert on chicken gizzards, because I don't think I would have ever eaten them again. <laughs> I made, so I made... Speaking of po', po boy, like, chicken gizzards are, like, real cheap parts of chicken, mm-hmm. and that's why I got them, because it's, like, a $2 meal, and... Uh, I learned afterwards that I 
you kind of have to soak them for a while to make them edible. Yeah. Uh, and I had not done that when I tried to <laughs> give you basically just a mouthful of gristle. Yeah. No, the ones we had ever two were clean and... Clean and they did not... Speaking of like making your mouth bleed. <laughs> no, they had no mouth bleed. They were like chicken-like. Yep. They tasted like chicken. Yeah. And that came with dirty rice. Mm-hmm. And then we also got the shrimp and grits and the blackened catfish. Yes. Um, with barbecue carrots, which were great. What was it that was so spicy, too? It was just like, the, I think it was the shrimp and grits. Was it? Or yeah, was it the catfish? One of, one I feel of, like the rub on the catfish was spicy. One of them was like, and it was like that good kind of mm-hmm. spicy that I hate because it's like, I couldn't stop eating it, even though my, like, taste buds were burnt <laughs> out. Like, I needed to, like, cool down, but I couldn't stop eating it. Yeah. I Was it the catfish? It might have been whatever, like, the shrimp and grits was. Oh, like. the sauce of the shrimp and grits? Yeah. Yeah, that was so good. But I was like, this is, like, way, like, I was, like, sweating while I was, like, just, like, scarfing it down. And then I love cornbread, and that came with just, like... A Sunday worth of butter on top of it. Like, yeah. It was amazing. Which is like good southern cooking. Yeah, I was, oh my god, I was just like, we took some of the cornbread home and I was still just like smothering it in the butter. <laughs> I, I have my, I have one complaint about virtue. Yes. One complaint, which oh, is. Oh, this is, be, this is. Nothing to do with the food. I, I know what you're complaining No, it's about. not. That's a different complaint. Uh, my, okay. No, my one complaint about virtue food wise is I wish. He would do a tasting concept mm-hmm. because I. It was tough. It was tough to pick. It's tough to pick, and I ended up picking after we got everything. I realized it was the same exact things I had eaten <laughs> the last time I was there. I made all the exact same choices, but that's except you, that we also got the gizzards. That's how you know what you like. Well, it's you one like, thing to know what you like, but like I also want to like try things, and I was like, damn, I just picked the same things. Yeah, again. but you were also you were also excited to take me and yeah. Like, show me like the best stuff i forced you to get gizzards well i was happy to eat the gizzards because that was the only thing i hadn't had before but (laughs) i when i was going through the menu i was like well i can't not have these like i can't not get the fried green tomatoes yeah so okay so he has to do a tasting concept or i just have to go with like 11 people so we can get everything on the menu yeah i think both of those are possibilities yeah i think the both and then the complaint that you we're gonna think alluding to was that they have two rooms at the restaurant. One is with the bar, and then one is where the open kitchen is. And as a chef super fangirl, I was really bummed to be in the room with the bar because <laughs> I wanted to just watch Demar. <laughs> they were they, because uh, and and you would have told him like other chefs that you picked him in. He was on my Top Chef fantasy he team. He was in your top because yes. Uh, we do have we do play Top Chef fantasy football. Uh, well, it's not fantasy football. It's fantasy top. It's not like I, which chef we best at but football. I think I was just <laughs> trying to explain because maybe some people don't get the concept of what Top Chef fantasy would be, and it might th- <laughs> they might think it's like a fanfic kind of. Oh. situation where it's like oh this chef walked in and was real horny and oh god no i don't write fan fiction about <laughs> top chef maybe i should start maybe um, maybe that you'd be the next the uh, next uh, what's her name the author of 50 shades, 50 of, gray. shades of gray 50 shades of tom calicchio oh god 
no, I, um, <laughs> but when you said Top Chef fantasy football, I was like imagining looking at the Top Chef contestants and picking which one would be best at football. Uh, Top Chef contestants that would be best at football. Uh, that's tough. I don't think any of them would be. <laughs> Maybe some of, like, the dudes from the South. Yeah, some like of my them guy are, Kevin. like, yeah, well, Kevin Gillespie. Kevin Gillespie? Gillespie uh, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, big, big, good old Southern boys. Yeah, I was thinking, like, Isaac Toops. Um, you know who... I bet Tom Calicchio played football in his, in his high school days. Oh, maybe, like, junior high. Yeah. Kiwi. Yeah. I, um, the one who's a really good athlete, though, is Dawn from last season. Right. But not a football player, but she was an Olympian. Yes. So, there's not a zero crossover. No, I, there are definitely, like, people that get into cooking after athletic endeavors. Yeah, for sure. But it's not, we're not picking football players. We're picking which chefs are going to do well on Top Chef. What's the, what's the guy that's on Food Network that... Uh, was a professional football player, and now he's on the Food Network. Yeah, I was thinking of that person, but yes. I don't remember his I name. I can't remember his name so. right now, but he was he was an NFL player. Uh, but Google it's, it. But and, and there's plenty of like on like football players that get into like having a barbecue sauce or stuff. After. Oh yeah, for like, sure. Like there's definitely like an avenue of being a professional athlete. Eddie getting, Jackson. Eddie Jackson. Okay, and he he was a football player, right? Yep, he was an American chef and former football cornerback. Yeah. He was signed by the Carolina Panthers and played football for Arkansas. Yeah. Shout out, Eddie Jackson. Yeah. So I would draft him for my Top Chef fantasy football <laughs> team. But for my top, top Chef fantasy Top Chef team, I had, I picked Buddha, who ended up winning right. in the first round. And then in the second round of the draft, I got DeMar. Because you know what? When we drafted, nobody had eaten at his restaurant except for me. Yeah. So he didn't do super well in the first episode, and he fell into the second round of the draft. And I was like, fuck yeah, I know his food's amazing. I have the best fantasy team ever. And then I had the first place and the fourth place chef, so I was so you won this unbeatable year. this year. So my hint for everybody trying to draft for your Top Chef Fantasy League is go eat their food and you'll be surprised. And my hint, if you're trying to draft for your Fantasy Football League, pick Brooke Williamson. <laughs> Brooke Williamson. She's a great, un- she's undrafted uh, tight end. Oh my God. Out of, out of California. Uh yeah. <laughs> you picked, like, the person that I could almost least imagine playing football. I you, you give her a little credit, but you're right. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's all about... I don't know. <laughs> so, speaking of football... Speaking of football... Oh, oh, what? Segway. Segway. It's like I took some notes <laughs> to make segways and then got distracted. Um, Dylan did yes. a really fun food project last year. So, let's do What's Cooking, did Dylan. <laughs> well, Liz, thank you. Football season is upon us. Yes, it dun, is. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 Stop before you have to pay for the rights. Because we sang it so well. I was trying to, I was about to turn it into the Olympics. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 speaking of football, football season is upon us. We are in the summer of, or in the dog days. summer. The dog days of summer are The end of summer. We're getting into fall. That part of summer is technically summer, but it happens in September, so you don't remember it's still summer. We are getting into sweather, sweather weather. Sweather weather. Sweather weather. We're getting into tailgate season. And this time last year, I did a project 
where each football game, each Sunday, or Monday, or Thursday, or in COVID years, Wednesdays, uh... There, remember, there was a Wednesday night football. I don't remember Wednesday there was, football. There was because of a COVID season. They had oh to right when they kept having games moved. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that COVID was all. just... That was one of the best parts about COVID is you never knew when football would happen. I think COVID was all just a plan for the NFL to test out if football <laughs> could work on a Wednesday. But I digress. Uh, my project was each time I would do a different NFL city. A food that they were known that they are known for while we watched the games, and I think it was a success. I enjoyed it. I think it was good. What? Which brings me to which brings me to the conversation. What do you think the NFL city? What NFL city do you think has the better like staple food? Because there are thirty-two teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, some teams, some cities have two teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already talked about a couple of them on this podcast. We talked about New Orleans, right? We talked about New Orleans, which is definitely up there for me. But I want to know what are your like favorite like cities and their like staple foods. My favorite staple foods, I well of the stuff you cooked, but also just like in general. And I hate this answer because mm. I despise the Patriots, but I really liked the clam chowder you made, and I, like, loves the New England clam chowder. It's funny, because clam chowder is probably, New England and clam chowder is probably down at the bottom of my list. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorites, and then other, like, signature Boston foods, like lobster roll. Right. Baked beans. (laughs) Just baked beans. Baked beans and lobster. I think, I think, uh, no, I think that that's a good one. I, I would say, as far as, like, iconic food with City, I think the name recognition Buffalo Wings is at the top of the list. I have a counter-argument. Yes. I think you're right, but I also believe that Buffalo, wild, or Wild Wings, Buffalo Wings yes. have, like, it's at the point where, like, people don't realize, like, Xerox is a company. Like, people don't know Buffalo Wings are named after the city of Buffalo. I think you're not giving people credit. I went to Buffalo, and the person I was with was shocked when I said I wanted to get Buffalo Wings, because I don't usually suggest wings. And I was like, because this is where they're from, and they had absolutely no idea. Well, that person sounds ill-informed. I just think that's more common than you think. Maybe. One thing I will say, though, that I've realized is every, there are so many places that football interlocks with food that claim barbecue as their number one export. Mm-hmm. And really, uh, there is not a whole lot of difference between the styles of barbecue. That's my hot take. That's your hot take of the week. That's All the barbecues are the same. No, I think good barbecue is going to be good and bad barbecue is going to be bad. Like, but you can't, like, you can't say one is better than the other. You could say, you know what I'm saying? And you can't say, like, Carolina barbecue yeah. is the thing or, like, yeah. Kansas City. You can't say Texas barbecue is better than Kansas City barbecue just because... Most of the time, that just falls down to, like, state loyalties. I would need to do, like, a sit-down taste test because I've had barbecue in Kansas City. I've had barbecue in Texas. 
I'm sure I've had barbecue in North Carolina. I couldn't tell you what made them different from each other. We need to go to one of these big honking barbecue competitions that they have where everybody comes from all over yeah. and has their big smokers out for like 48 hours and then like they have judges and stuff and figure out like what your tastes are because really it's my my preference like oh yeah I'll be in Kansas City and I'll be like oh yeah this is the best barbecue I've ever had then I'll yep. go to Austin and I'll be like no this is the best you yep. know it's, it's all about proximity and Exactly. What is going in my mouth like I time. went to that place in Kansas City that's like go to a gas station and stand in line for two hours for the best barbecue in the world, and mm-hmm. it was really good. Yeah. But you have to get there early enough to get the burnt ends, which means you just spend like an hour and a half snaking through a gas Here's station. Here's my conspiracy theory: they do that so you like are sitting at the gas station for hours just getting hungry, anticipating it. And then you're like, this is the best it's food the I've, best ever food had. I've ever yeah. had. Because you're so hungry. Yeah, I possibly. I mean, it was it was great, but it was also just like you have to love it because you've invested so much of your day in line in a gas station. <laughs> I think that okay, so like I think that barbecue is just good. Like mm-hmm. and I think what is your worst like food city like and i've got i because it was hard to come up with some of these like the worst food city i mean there were some where you just didn't even know what the food was yeah there and some were like la and new york were hard just because there's There's so everything much like like there's there's pretty much every food and like my worst one is cincinnati and see, I put that down as one of my favorites that you made. Because <laughs> I enjoyed the Cincinnati... Ch- I've never had Cincinnati chili, but I liked the version you made. I used way less cinnamon than they do, so... I felt like yours had enough cinnamon. I think... So I, not to brag, have entered into three chili cook-offs That's not a life. brag. It's a big brag. It's only a brag if you win. It's a bit. Well, I got screwed over three times. <laughs> uh... A whole, a whole lot of, a whole lot of uh, politicking and homerism in chili cook-offs. Yeah, pretty much. Um, or or Ravon is the judge and doesn't know what's going on. But that's beside the no point. No one listening knows who Ravon that's is. That's fine. It doesn't matter. It's between you and me. Uh, or the, that, that was one. The other one was a actual restaurant entered a chili into the cook-off. Right. That was the one where the restaurant across the street won. And it's like, that's not fair. Yeah. Or the person that writes for the reader that goes to the bar all the time won. And they all knew it was his chili. Or so. my favorite winner was the person who brought all of his friends. <laughs> and this, yes, this was won a... the... Won the Because they had a judging award and then they had a People's Choice Award. And so he brought like 40 of his closest friends from the Big Ten school he graduated from the year before. And... They all voted for his chili, but meanwhile, he got so drunk he got kicked that he out. got kicked out of the bar. No, that, that was that's a wonderful time, and that was like a week before COVID happened. And it was like, yeah, it was like literally before COVID, we were like packed at this chili cook-off of like hundreds of people. Yeah. And that was incredible when they announced him as the winner, and just other drunk bros were like, you kicked him out! <laughs> that was. But every chili cook-off I've done somebody has done a replica cincinnati chili and it has just been like a mouthful of cinnamon 
I guess what I didn't understand is you put it on spaghetti, which I think is how it's served. That's how they serve it. And yeah. I just like don't quite understand like what makes it chili and not like a bolognese. I think it is like Is it the cinnamon? I think it's heartier. I think like okay. I think a chili is like a bolognese is kind of like you you kind of like spread out the meat for lack of a better like culinary I mean a good term. bolognese you don't. But I think that like Chili also, uh, and also, like, look, I've lost. I mean, unless you're just saying you dump it on top, like plump, versus like you mix it into the noodles. Look, that's not okay. Because you're gonna mix it in before you eat it. I don't think that chili should have noodles. If that, if we're being honest, but I think. Right, but I like a bolognese. Yeah, I. But I think that the the way that Cincinnati chili is, it could be just a meat sauce. It could be a, but the way that chili is supposed to be. It's supposed to have some, like, depth to it. I don't think we want to get into what chili is supposed to be. Oh, I will get into it. No. Because you don't put beans in your chili. Oh, well, I'm not I'm not from Texas, so... I'm not from Texas. Yeah. I just like beans. No, well, this is this is definitely a larger debate that, that people have is should you have beans in your chili or not. And right. Maybe that's why I've never won a chili I think it's up. because you're very, like, you're very set in your ways... Which are not anybody else's ways. I disagree. Everybody likes a green pork chili. When, I, when you say the word chili, everybody envisions a tomatillo soup with pork in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's chili. It's a good soup, but if you say chili, you're picturing like red meat, red sauce, red beans, and you're yeah, but, in high school cafeteria. Yeah, yeah, but if there are like 30 people in a competition and everybody is doing that, like you want to stand out with your unique green chili. You're trying to get the green chili vote. Yeah, well, and I didn't do that the last time and it didn't matter either. So I made a red chili. Right. So. I don't know. Maybe Look, you just have to get better at making chili. All we, all we know is noodles don't belong in chili. Yeah, I think we can agree that if you're having a bowl of chili, I don't want noodles. And if you're pouring meat sauce on a noodle, I think it's a meat sauce or a bolognese or not a chili. Yeah. That's, I, so I, we kind of agree. I think it's just that there's no Italian chili. And so right. chi- So it's just the Italian, it's the non-Italian yeah. bolognese. Cincinnati is mixed up, just like their football team. This well, year. And that's been our football roundup. <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing to eat when you watch football? Forgetting about cities for a second, just in general. Uh, wings? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Like, my mom used to do, like, a whole bunch of, like, platters. Uh, it kind of just depends if I'm trying to, like, go all out, you know? Like, pizza's a good thing. And pizza's fine. Uh, I don't know. It it depends. My my my. The older I get, the less I care about what I'm eating, unless it's a big game. Yeah, I think I like I like something that I can pick at. So like that's the good thing about both wings and pizza. Yeah. Also, probably my favorite, which is nachos. I like I like that's a good point because I like having it laid out, and as I'm like pacing, like going and like picking a little bit at a time. Yeah, my favorite thing about Super Bowl parties is that like everybody brings a dip. Yes. Like, I th- I want to just have, like, a dip party. We could have a dip party. Yeah, let's do it. We'll have I thought about, dip day. I thought, I've made, like, a list of, like, condiments and sauces and dips. So, like, we could definitely do a dip party. Okay, dip party. Dip you're party. invited if you're listening. Um, 
I have one last fun fact yes. before we go. Yes. This is a surprise. Dylan has no idea what I'm going to say. from the car earlier? This is from the car. Okay. So when I was driving back from Daisy's in Hyde Park, I was like up getting off the Lakeshore Drive and the car I was behind waiting at the light had a license plate cover. Oh, fun. That said, Leroy, New York, birthplace of Jell-O. <laughs> and I wanted to know more. So have so, you looked up Leroy, New York? Yes, I went to the Wikipedia page for Jell-O, and I just want to read a paragraph. Okay. It says, in 1897, in Leroy, New York, carpenter and cough syrup manufacturer, the jobs you could have in the 1800s. Because <laughs> those are two jobs that go together. In the 1800s, people did it all. Um, this is the name of this carpenter and cough syrup manufacturer, Pearl Bixby Waits. <laughs> Pearl with an E at the end. Okay. And that's a that's a that's a man's name. That's a man's name. Okay. I assume yes. based on yes. Pearl. It, uh, no, the, I see pronouns later. That is a man's well, name. Because I guess women could be carpenters and cough they, syrup manufacturers. No, nope, nope. Women can't be cough syrup manufacturers. That's true. It's and not in the eighteen hundreds. They couldn't. Nope. Um. So Pearl Bixby Waltz or Waits trademarked a gelatin dessert called Jello. Wait and his wife, May, added strawberry, raspberry, orange, and lemon flavoring to granulated gelatin and sugar. Sounds like Jell-O. Yes. Now, in 1899, uh, Pearl Bixby Waits sold Jell-O to, this is a name that's in quotes, <laughs> Orator Francis Woodward. Wait. Orator is the name? I'm not sure if that's a oh, title okay. or a name because the whole thing is in quotes. <laughs> I don't know if that was just taken from like a document <laughs> that somebody found later. It's you know what he's. I can tell he's a baby. He's going to be a good talker. Yeah, Orator Francis Woodward, whose Genesee Pure Food Company produced, wait for it, the successful Grano Health Drink. Yep, we all know that. And the legal, the part of the illegal agreement between Woodward and Wade dealt with the similar Jello name. So, Orator Francis Woodward purchased the Jello trademark because he already had Grano, and the rest is history. We all know what Jello is today. None of us has ever heard of Grano. <laughs> Thanks to a carpenter slash cough syrup, cough syrup manufacturer. manufacturer. Wow, I. And all that just came from you tailgating somebody. I wasn't tailgating. I was stopped at a light. And now I know a lot more about Jell-O. <laughs> so now you do too. This has been a very educational episode. Yes, very historical. Um, enjoy your meals, everyone, and good night. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about the places we talked about in today's podcast, um, we talked about Daisy's Po'boy and Tavern, which is located at 5215 South Harper Avenue in Chicago. And we also talked about Virtue Restaurant, which is at 1462 East 53rd Street in Chicago. Finally, we talked about Top Chef, which you can watch on the Bravo Network, usually premiering in March. <laughs>